In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I wonder if you remember a viral video that came out a few years ago. Double Rainbow. Anybody remember Double Rainbow? Right now it has about 50 million views on YouTube, and that was just one of the ones, uh, one of the, the videos that I saw of it. A man is hiking in Yosemite National Park, and he comes across this wide vista. He's like up on a ridge, and he sees this valley, and clear across the sky, from one side of the valley to the other was a full double rainbow. And he's capturing it, the guy, he, you never see his face, but he's capturing it on his sort of you know, janky 2008 phone camera. And, and he has this, all you can hear is his voice, and he just has this moment of ecstatic spiritual bliss. Oh! It's a double rainbow! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh! I've never seen anything like this! It's so beautiful! Oh! It's so intense! He is literally sobbing, crying at the beauty of the double rainbow. I think it's going to be a triple rainbow! And people in the comments, if you go down and read some of the comments in the video, they'll, uh, they'll talk about how, how wholesome, how pure the moment is. I'm a little more cynical. I wondered if he may have found some special mushrooms on the trail. <laughs> There's a few times that he stops crying and asks, What does it mean? What does it mean? Actually, the Bible has an answer for that in Genesis 9. That's not the point of this sermon. But I think it is actually probably pretty normal to ask that question in the face that is of something that you find so surprising, arresting, massive, beautiful. What does this mean? So it might not be surprising then that this is the same question that was asked by the crowd of international onlookers on the day of Pentecost as blue-collar Galilean disciples spill into the Jerusalem streets speaking languages from all over the world and telling of the mighty and wonderful works of God. It was surprising. And it was so beautiful. What does this mean? I think we would do well to ask that same question of Pentecost. Though I would hasten to say that even better than understanding its meaning would be to experience for ourselves such an outpouring of God's Spirit. May it be so. Ten days after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the disciples were still in Jerusalem. They were gathered together 
in prayer, probably in the same upper room where they had had the Last Supper. It happened to be the Feast of Shavuot in Hebrew. I think that's how you say it. Or in Greek, Pentecost. A harvest festival 50 days after Passover. And as the disciples were praying together, this very loud sound, like rushing wind, filled the air. In fact, it was so loud that it got the attention of thousands of pilgrims who were in Jerusalem for the festival. And with the sound came a visible expression of the Holy Spirit. Strips or tongues of fire came and touched each one. It did not burn them, but it was an outward and visible sign of the new fire that God had placed within them. And they were so full of the Holy Spirit that they spontaneously rushed out into the street and began to proclaim the mighty works of God. And miraculously, it seems that by the Spirit's power, these Aramaic-speaking Galileans could now speak Cyrenian, or Latin, or Cappadocian, so that the pilgrims could understand them. And then maybe the most amazing miracle of Pentecost was that Peter, who just 53 days before had denied that he even knew Jesus, he got up and explained the exact meaning of what they were seeing with a perfect, off-the-cuff exposition of the prophet Joel, who had predicted an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? That's a good question. Because like those Pentecost pilgrims, we often don't understand the Holy Spirit. I think we can be much more comfortable with the Father and the Son than we are with the Holy Spirit. We know what a Father looks like. We know what a Son looks like. The Holy Spirit is a little more unknowable, a little more unpredictable with things like Showing up unexpectedly with wind and fire inside a house. Or maybe with things like people speaking or praying in strange tongues. Or miraculous healings. I want to I tell you unashamedly and boldly, I believe in all of that. Those things have their place. Those manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But they're not the point. They're just... Another means to the point. The point is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now there's surely more than we have time for today, but we are, what we see in this passage is that the giving of the Holy Spirit is for heralding, not huddling. For clarity, not confusion. And for everyone, not for only one. For heralding, not huddling. For clarity, not confusion. For everyone, not for only one. So heralding, not huddling. Now I think it is significant that there is no record of the disciples' reaction to what's happening. 
There is no account of any fear of the fire. There is no time spent wondering after the wind. There's no gawking at the uniqueness of this event or at patting themselves on the back for being the ones chosen to experience this blessing. No, the first and apparently the only thing that they do once the Spirit comes upon them is that they leave the house to tell people about God. They herald the message of God's saving acts. They do not, they do not stay huddled in a little Spirit-filled fraternity, but they just naturally proclaim so that others can know what they know and experience what they're experiencing about God. Now, i got to tell you, I love it when people talk about the church as the place where their friends are. And I love it when I hear people say that their lives revolve around the activities of the church. And I can certainly say both, th- both of those things. But the church can't be where all your friends are. The church can't be where all your activities are. Because then, how will those who don't know Jesus ever experience the joys that you have here? How will we be a beacon of Christian vitality if we never shine the light of Christ to those who need it? The church is is where we are to be fed and recharged and then sent out into the world. We are to live our faith intentionally before a watching world. And we are to tell people about Jesus. Not in a pushy, cram-it-down-your-throat kind of way. Nobody likes that. But with kindness. Maybe just offering to pray. Can Can I pray for you? Or I'll be praying for you. Maybe sharing something with a friend that has been meaningful to you about Jesus. Answering questions whenever they happen to ask. The Holy Spirit has been given to us for heralding the message of Christ to a world that desperately needs Him. Not for huddling together. Second, the Holy Spirit is given to us for clarity, not confusion. Now we sometimes feel confused, right, about the person of the Holy Spirit and about the work of the Holy Spirit. That's okay. Even Jesus said the Spirit blows where He wills, right? There are lots of times where I do not understand what the Spirit is or is not doing or what or why the Spirit is or is not doing what He is or is not doing. But the Holy Spirit is never confused. Right? The Holy Spirit knows the work that the Holy Spirit is given to do. The Holy Spirit is given to provide clarity to the gospel message. And we see this in the Pentecost miracle. Pious pilgrims from all over the Mediterranean world were in Jerusalem for the Pentecost festival. And the disciples, being from Galilee, likely spoke a language called Aramaic. And maybe Hebrew too. But when they were in the streets exuberantly telling about God's work, 
the Cappadocians heard Cappadocian. And the Mesopotamians heard Mesopotamian. And the Romans heard Latin. Everyone heard their own language being spoken because the Spirit gave the disciples the instant ability to speak these languages. It was probably a temporary ability, it doesn't say. By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the message that was heralded came through with clarity. No one needed a translator. They may have been confused about how it was happening, but no one was confused about what was being said. Have you ever stopped to wonder why it makes sense to you that a God-man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago assuages your guilt before a holy God? Have you ever stopped to consider why you find it not just tenable, but in fact worth the devotion of your life that this same man who died on the cross could rise to life after dying and that that offers you eternal life with him? Why does that make sense to you? It's not because of how you were raised. It's not because you just don't care much about science. It's because the Holy Spirit has opened the ears of your heart. It's because the Holy Spirit came and brought clarity. The Holy Spirit made the gospel message clear to your soul. And if it's a little murky, pray for the Holy Spirit. To make it clear to you. It's a great way to pray for ourselves and to pray for others who haven't yet quite understood it. The Holy Spirit makes it clear. The Holy Spirit is for heralding, not huddling. The Holy Spirit is for clarity, not confusion. And the Holy Spirit is for everyone, not for only one. And one of the most profound things about this Pentecost story is that people from all over the world heard the message. People who are normally separated by geography, by language, by culture, ethnicity, nationality. They all heard that God had a plan for them. They all heard that the Holy Spirit was for them. If you were to read a little further in this second chapter of Acts, you would see that they all heard that Jesus died for their sins and rose to give them all life. And if you were to read further in Acts, you would see that the Holy Spirit opens their, the hearts of people of all faiths, other faiths or no faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't for only one kind of person, it's for every kind of person. Peter quotes the prophet Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now in the very earliest chapters of the Bible, chapter 11 in the book of Genesis, we read that all the people, it probably wasn't that many, right? But all the people had one language. And they were building a tower in a place called Babel. 
And this tower would be built up to the sky. And their goal was to make their own name great. And they were succeeding. But God doesn't share praise. So he decided to frustrate their efforts by giving them multiple languages so that they could not communicate clearly and achieve the godlike greatness that they desired. They were dispersed around the earth to live in separate tribes and then separate kingdoms and separate nations. And confusion and misunderstanding and greed would lead to factionalism and conflict and war. Pentecost is the continual undoing of Babel. The unifying message of salvation heralded clearly to all people. The undoing of huddling. The undoing of confusion. The undoing of us versus them. The offer and promise of reconciliation in and through Jesus Christ. St. Paul says that there is now no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter who your daddy is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Jesus Christ is for you. He lived For you, He died for you. He paid for your sins. He rose for you. And you, and you, and you. Right? Jesus Christ is not for only one kind of person. Jesus Christ is for every kind of person. He and the Holy Spirit is the messenger that breaks through the dividing walls to tell that good news. No more huddling. From now on, heralding. No more confusion. From now on, clarity. No longer for only one kind of people. From now on, every kind of people. On this Pentecost Harvest Festival, a new kind of harvest is just getting started. That's what Pentecost means. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not taking a sabbatical. (laughs) The Holy Spirit doesn't need a rest. The Holy Spirit is going to be with you this summer just like He's going to be with me. The Holy Spirit is going to revive and rejuvenate you this summer just like He's going to revive and rejuvenate me. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a double rainbow of blessing. Because he is going to be poured out on all flesh. And it's going to be so intense. Come to church every week you're in town. To be fed and refreshed by each other. And by the wonderful priests and deacon that will be here. And especially by the Holy Spirit. And then go forth each week in the power of the Spirit. To be his mouthpiece heralding and clarifying for everyone that you meet. I'll see you in September. (laughs) Amen.